Welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, we continue our discussion with Rez Khan, lead product manager here at MongoDB. And we're talking about database automation. And in this week's episode, we focus specifically about scalability. How can you configure your MongoDB clusters to meet the demands and the requirements of your applications and offer continuous, efficient operation? And we do that through the use of auto scalability. This is a great episode. If you're wondering about how to ensure the resilience and efficient performance of your clusters, stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you back again. We had such a, a great chat last time and covered some really great topics. Uh, but for those who may be jumping into this episode uh, before listening to the previous one, can you explain who you are and what you do at MongoDB? Uh, yeah, yeah. Happy to be back, Mike. So my name's Rez. Uh, I run a couple of product teams at MongoDB. My teams uh, generally work on what I call the post-app deployment workflow, which is after a customer builds and deploys an application on MongoDB Atlas, how do we make that customer's journey as awesome as possible? So that means we focus a lot on building tools to help customers diagnose problems, uh, automatically optimize how they're using MongoDB Atlas. Fantastic. That's a, that's a great summary. Um, and this specific topic that we're going to talk about today is one that I'm very interested in. I, I first learned about it uh, I believe right after it was released into production and it's been growing just like we've been adding feature upon feature to Atlas to make it just so much more valuable for developers. Um, this one I think is one of the more powerful ones and it's around auto scalability. Now I, I first learned about the first feature was um, the extension of disk as required. So as your application began to generate more, more data, um, we would automatically extend the amount of disk that uh, was available to your cluster. That's pretty powerful. But then uh, then you started talking about the other sets of resources. And I'm going to let you describe exactly what, what auto scalability's uh, capabilities are. Yeah. So when we, uh, as, as, as a developer, w what you really care about is you want to make sure that the database performs as you expect when you use it. and what performance means can vary based on you know where in the life cycle of the application it is you want to you want the database system to behave in a way where if today you don't have a lot of users it performs well but doesn't cost you a lot of money but if you have a lot of users then you want to make sure that the performance like, you know, remains like you know what it was when you had a small number of users and how do you do that in the world before cloud you basically need to buy a machine and run a physical machine yourself. And then at some point, if you decide that, oh, this particular machine is insufficient for, my, for the load that I'm seeing on my application, you need to go and buy a different, bigger machine, or you need to go buy a bigger, um, bigger disk, or you may need to go change your processor to have a bigger CPU. And imagine the pain that is for... Uh, development team to actually do that manually 
Um, and what cloud did was cloud made that automatic, which means you don't need to basically, you don't need to worry about getting the machine and provisioning the machine yourself. You can just tell a cloud service provider that I need a bigger machine, get me a bigger machine, and they get a bigger machine for you behind the scene and then tell you that, nah, now you can use this bigger machine. But one of the interesting challenges that threw up is now that you have flexibility to get a bigger machine on demand or a smaller machine on demand as you want, how do you actually make that decision? How do you know when you need a big machine versus a small machine? Now, you might be able to say that, oh, you know, I am going to play it safe and have a big machine backing my database all the time. But, uh, and that might work really well from a performance standpoint. But the flip side is, it would be enormously costly. And um, obviously, as a business, you can't have that. So how do you decide when it should be big, when it should be small? And how do you, uh, when do you decide to like, you know, go big or go small? And when you decide, when you make the decision, how do you actually make it work seamlessly so your application performance doesn't falter while it's doing it? And those are all the questions, all the things which the auto-scaling product is trying to solve for our users. Mm. Yeah, that's a perfect description. So how does it then, let's say I'm a developer and I've got an application and I launch and I, I go live and you know, there are things that I can plan for. I can plan for a release and I, I can predict that I'm going to get some additional users signing up. And so in advance of that, I will scale up manually. I will, I will go move my, my Atlas instance from an M20 to an M30, which will give it additional CPU, additional RAM. But now I'm, I'm paying additional money for that. Um, and I may not actually be consuming the, the capacity uh, around that. So. How does, how does Atlas make that decision for me? Yeah, so uh, there, there's, a, uh, there's a bunch of like, interesting uh, magic going on behind the scenes. One of the things Atlas does well is we track the consumption of different resources in a machine running, uh, let's say, a MongoDB instance throughout the fleet of databases instances that we manage, which you know, uh, to this point is in the millions. We also track like how our users are actually using database down to you know the 10 second level. So we know you know how many queries of what type were run each particular like you know 10 second or each particular like in a minute bucket. Um, and using all that data gives us the, the data like it opens up a lot of very interesting doors. It allows us to understand what the historical load pattern was on a particular database instance. It allows us to understand what the performance of the database was for a given load pattern and for a given set of machines backing the database. And using those insights, we can build uh, algorithms which can essentially figure out for our users what the load and performance characteristic of a database would be in the near future. And then using that, we can decide when to you know, scale you up and scale you down. That, that's what it does at a very high level, but obviously you know, we can dig into each particular area, uh, uh, which is interesting to users. So when it makes a decision to, to perform a scaling operation, either up or down, it's using uh, the previous uh, consumption, the, the capacity availability, and then when it actually makes a decision, what is it doing? What is it actually gonna do for me? Do I see a change in the amount of CPU, in the amount of memory? What happens? 
Yeah, so so there are um, there there are three different types of resources any uh, uh, any database needs to care about. So uh, the first one, Mike, that you mentioned was storage. Like you need to make sure enough disk space is available to handle the amount of writes that you're doing in the database. The other two, which are also important, are CPU and memory. What that means is you as as the amount of operations on your database increases, you need to have the computational power to be able to handle it. So what happens when you decide when the system decides to scale up because it anticipates more load coming in the near future, it would it can scale up the disk or it can scale up both CPU and memory. And if you had used Atlas, what it would translate to in the Atlas world is it would scale up from an M10 to an M20 or an M30 which are essentially instance types that gives you more CPU and more memory. And the way it does it is very clever. So we, we are very cognizant that whenever the uh, underlying server backing a particular application changes, there could be a risk of um, some performance degradation. So for example, you might not be able to connect to the application because the server underlying server backing the application is changing. What we do is we, we, we took some like, you know, very diligent effort to make sure that doesn't happen. Like we have this uh, process called the rolling upgrade where we would upgrade the uh, machines in a manner that will not lead to any temporary performance degradation. So from a usage standpoint, your users will not see any blip in performance. It would be seamless. But behind the scenes, we would be scaling up your CPU and memory or disk as needed for uh, for whatever the future load would be. Fantastic. And uh, Nick, I know you've got a question, um, but I want to cover the the models that we mentioned. Uh, for somebody just coming in and not familiar with MongoDB Atlas, if you're going to launch an instance of MongoDB uh, in Atlas, it's going to give you a, a highly available cluster of servers starting from free. And the free tier is what we call an M0 instance. And as you need additional disk space, CPU, and memory, we ratchet those up and, and we apply labels to those. So the next, the next level up from an M0 would be an M2, I think. And then there's an M5, an M10. And each one of those has incremental resources available to it. So just a quick explanation there. Go ahead, Nick. Did you have a question? Are you able to set thresholds uh, within the autoscaler to prevent being billed aggressively? Like if, if, for example, you get some kind of weird kind of spike, maybe due to some kind of DDoS or some kind of malicious attack, or maybe it's not malicious at all. Is there any measure in place to prevent you from paying for an M0 and then jumping up to an M100 out of the blue or whatever? Yeah, um, that's actually a very uh, good question. Our users care about two things. They care about cost and they care about performance. Yeah. From a cost standpoint, um, they want to, it's very reasonable for, for them to expect a way to make sure that their costs are not too high. Like they have bills to pay, like obviously like that makes sense. So when we designed the auto-scaling product, we took that into consideration, which means when you're turning on auto-scaling for a particular Atlas instance, you can say that this is the maximum amount of money I want to spend by selecting um, what the maximum tier would be. Um, if you remember what Mike just said a few minutes ago, you know, you can select different tiers of Atlas. Uh, let's say an M100 is expensive, but very powerful. And you can say, I want to scale up, but only up to an M100. And 
the system is intelligent enough to like to to only scale up to that. But if the system also feels that we can, we should be scaling up to even higher than M100, and if you don't, it would lead to performance problems. We would send you an alert and tell you that hey, you know, we are running into this bottleneck that you put yourself. Can we exceed it temporarily because uh, otherwise performance would degrade? And when does that alert come through? Does it happen like hey, I'm I'm out of space right now. This auto scale needs to happen right now, or do you? set like a threshold, say, um, 10% away from kind of needing to upgrade kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the uh, other interesting facets of the product. Um, because it's a prediction model, you know, we, uh, there are two aspects of it we need to balance. We need to be able to predict reasonably ahead of time when we need to auto scale up, because if we don't, then we might be too late and performance might already be bad. But if we are doing it reasonably, if you're doing it too, too much ahead of time, like, and it might be inaccurate. So we need to like, you know, play that balance very well. So what we try to do is we try to predict with at least you know, 20 to 30 minute window that an auto scaling event would be necessary. And we try to send an alert around that time. So you, at least you have some time to react and it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it's not too late. Now, um, I'll, I'll keep following up on this uh, sure. because I'm this. I know this. These are common questions. People people do care a lot about price, and they they don't want to be built uh, randomly. So, say a you said rolling upgrade, right? Is that the terminology we're using? Rolling upgrade for these auto scales? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the terminology. Uh, let's say a rolling up upgrade is in progress. You've come into the scenario late. You and you've now decided. You know what? I don't want this rolling upgrade to happen. Can it be terminated mid-process without any kind of downtime, or do you have to wait for it to finish? Um, what's the timeline for all of this stuff, like, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we probably need to go into a little bit of detail, so obviously yeah. if I'm being too nerdy, just stop me. Uh, the, the way it works behind the scenes is a very typical way of using Atlas is to deploy what we call a three-node replica set, which means you have three servers, each uh, with a copy of the data that you uh, that you have uh, in the database, and at any given time, your application is connecting to the uh, to one of the server, which we call the primary. When we do a rolling upgrade, what we end up doing is we we take the servers which are not the primary and we upgrade them, and then once the upgrade is done, then we take the other server which is not primary and we up upgrade them. Once both of those are upgraded, then we change the primary to be one of the upgraded server. So we can now upgrade the thing which was the primary before, if that makes sense. Makes sense. So the beautiful thing with that kind of model is if you want to stop an upgrade at any given time, you stop the upgrade for that particular server which was being upgraded, and then it can go back to where it was. But you're still connected to a primary, and your application is still running the way it's supposed to be running without any performance blip. And you know we have we have seen that particular use case come up a lot, and that's the reason why we designed the system such as this. Sure. Uh, so that uh, there there is again there's no blip from a user standpoint of your application. So at one point in the rolling upgrade, the application is going to need to disconnect from the previous uh, previously connected primary and reconnect. And and how does that man? How does how is that handled with uh, connection pooling and? Uh, and applications. I guess there's got to be a small uh, hiccup at, at some point, right? Uh, there's probably a very, very small hiccup, but for most of our users, that's not a problem. Um, 
one of the caveats to mention is uh, uh, our our drivers have this con- have this uh, concept called retribal rights, where um, if there is a right which is happening at the point of switch over from the primary switching over from one server to another server, we can pool the rights and then replay the rights like once we end up connecting. So your your rights wouldn't be lost. Which is obviously, you know, would be bad if it were the case because your data could be lost in that situation. So we again took deliberate steps to make sure that doesn't happen. But the caveat here is, you know, you need to use the right, the late, the right versions of the driver to do so. If you use an older version of the driver, uh, that particular feature might not be available. So make sure that uh, your uh, uh, your application is using the latest versions of the driver. Fantastic. So it seems like you've thought of everything. I, I'm a, I'm a developer. I've launched an app. I didn't expect so many users. And I don't want to break the bank, so I have taken the precaution to enable auto-scaling in my cluster infrastructure. I've selected maybe an M10 as the smallest. I've selected an M60 as the highest. And it turns out um, my fortune is is going well, and, and all of my new users are logging in. And it triggers an upgrade all the way up, up to M60. Why, why would somebody not want to use this? Is there any reason, like, are there any use cases that would that you would say, you know what, this is probably not a good use case for auto-scaling? Yeah, uh, I mean, there are, the, there are some, and this is where the fun begins. What we have observed is this. Because we're still changing the underlying machine supporting an Atlas instance, the upgrade itself can take between 5 and 15 minutes, which essentially means that if I have a very rapid spike in usage on my application, that five to 15 minutes can be too late. Like in a four of those five 15 minutes, your, your, your database instance can have performance issues. And for some of our users, like, you know, that's not acceptable, which is totally understandable. What we have seen this work really well is when you have the, uh, the application load pattern not be very spiky, where it changes, let's say, on a 30-minute cadence or an hourly cadence throughout the course of a day. So we see a lot of uh, use cases around applications, like SaaS applications, which are heavily used in the morning, but then gradually ramps down during the afternoon. We have seen use cases where an application is heavily used in the weekends, but not in the weekdays. And we can automatically like, you know, scale, you or scale you up and scale you down based on those particular patterns. But for applications which are very spiky, um, uh, a, go- a good example could be some games can have very spiky, some social media apps can have very spiky workloads. Uh, like if something goes viral, then it spikes very, very quickly. In those situations, uh, the five to, five to 15 minute upgrade or downgrade process might not be sufficient for some users. There are lots of ways you can solve this problem, though, and you know we should. Uh, there, there are things you can do today, and there are products that we're actually building similar to auto scaling, which can help solve these problems. And you know we can talk about that if you guys want. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I do have a follow up though. Yeah. So <clears throat> you mentioned some of the use cases, and one of them was around an application that has predictable scheduling. Now, have you given thought to enabling some type of capability around scheduling the shifting between? Uh, tiers. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, one of the one of the, one of the fairly common app, kind of common use cases we see on MongoDB is um, it's because it's uh, uh, a document store, a very flexible document store. It's uh, oftentimes used to store 
uh, information, JSON-based information, which might be sitting in some other systems. So for example, we would see uh, a use case such as there's a script running every six hours which logs into a particular e-commerce data store, gets your information, and then stores that in MongoDB. So they're a very predictable schedule on when a large write or large insert happens. And there are a bunch of things you could do to solve that particular use case. We have, um, we have this product called Triggers, where uh, you can create scheduled jobs, running scheduled jobs, which can hit the Atlas APIs and then automatically upscale or downscale for you at given times. So we have seen users do things such as they... Uh, they have specific times of the day when they scale up to M100 to handle a big bulk upload or bulk insert, and they would scale down back to uh, an M30 uh, or M, sorry, M50 uh, during other times of the day. Uh, we've seen this so much that we've actually considered building that as part of the UI itself, where you can imagine sort mm -hmm. of a calendar view in the UI where you can say, at, at these, these times, this is what the tier size ought to be. And that can uh, mimic your uh, bulk insert schedules. Wow, that would be a powerful addition. Uh, yeah. So, so I have another question uh, in regards to a use case. So, uh, from what I understand, people are using MongoDB Data Lake and MongoDB Online Archive to kind of reduce the load on their clusters and prevent having to scale. Are there any kind of integrations or scenarios where? Um, the autoscaler would work in combination with Data Lake? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of scenarios. Um, for, for those of you who have listened to, my, uh, listened to the last podcast where we talked about um, automatic indexing, one of, the, uh, one of the very common scenarios we see is sometimes a user might not have the right indexes and their queries are very inefficient. And that might trigger an autoscaling event because there's a performance degradation. And you can do that. And if you do that, then you get good performance, but at a higher cost. The right solution there is actually to build the, build the right indexes, so you don't even need to scale up. One of the products we're building, as we spoke about last time, was this automatic indexing product, where, which would work in conjunction with autoscaling. So we can do intelligent things for you, such as deciding to make, detecting which queries are inefficient, building an index for you, and then even preventing you from auto-scaling and saving you that money while giving you good performance. And if that doesn't work, then we can scale you up. So that's an example of how there is another way of uh, saving money and getting good performance without necessarily scaling up. And, and Nick, you mentioned a very good qu uh, point about um, um, what if like, you know, there is data which is not that important and it, it doesn't need to be a, in, in an expensive online uh, OLTP system like MongoDB. We have seen that quite a lot. Like that's also a very common use case where we see, um, especially in use cases where you're using MongoDB to write a lot of data very quickly. In that scenario, you might not be reading the data, which is older than, let's say, seven days. Uh, and the more cost optimal way for you to store the data would be to put that into an object storage, which is cheaper. One of the products we have recently announced, or recently uh, uh, betaed, uh, like six months back, is called Online Archive, where you can set up rules in Atlas saying that if the data in my collection is older than, let's say, seven days based on this timestamp, which happens to be in the collection, copy the data, 
put it into an S3 bucket, and then delete the data from MongoDB. So you still have a record, but you're not storing the data in an expensive operational database. And that would save you a lot of, a lot of money. Now, you might ask yourself, like, okay, you know, that's cool, but what if I need to get a data? What, what, what if a user asks for that data? I need to like, you know, go get that data. Now, do I need to go and connect with S3 to get it? Like, that seems unnecessary to add in my application. So the beautiful thing about this particular product is you don't need to do that. We can connect to this managed S3 bucket for you and return you back the data which you stored in the cold storage with the same connection string and, this, uh, that, and the same query language that you have used in the application. So in a way, it's like in a seamless, like in a, your, your data is stored in this uh, object storage in a much more cheaper fashion than store, compared to like storing in an OLTP database, but access to the database, access to that data is easy as well. Uh, so you can solve like, you know, both those use cases of cost optimization and easy access at the same time. True flexibility. And it's almost like a set of features that, that CFOs will enjoy just as much as developers. Um, so to that point, around cost and around efficiency of, of the, the features that you're responsible for as a product manager, to what degree are you responsible for the profitability of these features? And, and how, how has, has the auto-scaling and, and reactivity that you're building into the platform, how has that impacted the profitability of, of the platform? Uh, yeah, that's why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, it, I, I, I'm laughing because uh, my uh, my chief product officer did uh, ask me that question uh, when we released the product, uh, and his concern is like you know, very valid. He's like, okay, you know, this this product seems to be doing well, and lots of our our users like it, and they're using it in a large number. Does that mean we will lose money? And uh, we did look into it, obviously. And it, it, it turns out we actually make slightly more money because of this product, <laughs> which is interesting, which means um, we are not only saving our users a lot of money, but for those users who were not scaling up because they didn't know that they had to scale up, we were showing them like in a good performance and that translates into like in a slightly more money for us. Um, at the end of the day, I think we are completely cognizant of that uh, you know, we, we are going to be saving our users a lot of money, and that does take a chunk from our revenue. But uh, the hope is, and that has proven to be true so far, is we, we cannot run a business where we're not optimizing how much money a user is spending on us. Like we have to give them good performance at the lowest possible cost. And, this, and, and, and we believe that if we do this well via products like auto-scaling or online archive that Nick mentioned, we would generate more revenue over the long term just by generating, just by having more users as the product. And if you look at, you know, the MongoDB's uh, uh, stock prices over the past, you know, six mm -hmm. months per year, that's sort of like, you know, proven to be true so far. So we're yeah, pretty hopeful that this is the right strategy for the company. Yeah, I, I feel strongly the same way. And I think it's, it's kind of like AOL was the anti-pattern. You might be too young to remember AOL, but AOL had, had a grip on the market and uh, they, Frankly, it appeared as though they they didn't really care about the uh, the concerns of their users around uh, capabilities nor cost, and eventually uh, the market will respond to that. So I think this is a great way to to really seal the future of of MongoDB by by not only giving amazing capabilities those are, those cost MongoDB money to develop, um, and and implementing these could quite possibly on the front end cost us money because we're obviously 
providing the lowest possible uh, cost resources to, to developers. But I like what you said around the fact that that will translate to more users and happier users that are going to, you know, advocate on our behalf. So yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, our users are smart and, uh, you know, they can, uh, if we, uh, if we have, uh, uh, revenue models where we are um, overcharging users, like you know, they would they would recognize that. Uh, and the the promise of cloud is to give the best possible performance at the lowest possible cost. Uh, and that's what we continuously strive to do with our you know most of our product investments. Yeah. So is there anything you can tell us in terms of what's coming on the roadmap for uh, the auto scaling functionality of MongoDB? Uh, yeah. There is a. a there, there's a rather like exciting roadmap for the product. On one hand, uh, we are we're doing some work to improve the core algorithm itself on how we scale up or scale down to make it more predictive, which means um, that 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 basically translates into more accurate scaling up or scaling down, being able to scale up and scale down uh, more ahead of time compared to like you know, what we do today. Um, the other you know, exciting area that we are investing a lot of product and engineering resources is how do we solve that spiky workload problem that I talked about? Like, What if you have an application which scales from 10 operations per second to a million operations? And these are all contrived numbers. Uh, so million operations per second in a couple of minutes. For that, you know, we need to fundamentally rethink like, how the underlying architecture of MongoDB behaves. And there's a lot of really exciting investments going on into that that we are hoping to unveil over the next you know, six months to a year, which would solve that problem for our customers of instant elasticity. As you need, the database would grow or decrease uh, in real time almost. But that's all I can share about that today. We always want more. <laughs> we always want more on, on the roadmap stuff, but we'll, we'll have to have you back as these things start to come to, uh, to fruition. Hey, so anything else we want to cover on auto scaling? I think we've we've done a pretty good job of describing what it is, how it works, how people can get get their hands on this feature. What what to that question? What um, models is this feature available on? Can I use it on the very free instance, or do I need to to ratchet up to a larger instance in order to get a, to get access to this? Uh, it only t- uh, today it works on M10 plus, uh, and I think that's around. Uh, that's our starter, um, what we call starter dedicated instances, uh, which is between forty and fifty dollars a month. Um, that's where it starts, and then it can go up to whatever our highest tier is today, which I think is M four hundred. And when you say dedicated, I know that the M two and the free instance, I believe those are they're, they're in they're launched in the cloud providers, and they are virtual instances. They're so they're, virtual they're, instances, yeah, yeah. And then so the the M tens, they're actual physical machines. Uh, they're mapped to a physical machine, which is only for that particular uh, user using it. Um, and they tend to have better performance as well because they're not shared instances. And of course, as you increase the, the tier, not only do you get more disk space, but you get more CPU, more RAM. Yeah. And I believe there's, there's a connection uh, or, or an IOPS rating that increases on the disk speed, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, our general uh, guidance to customers is, you know, like you said, we have a free tier, which is free to use up to 500 megabyte and certain CPU and memory capacity. That's what you should be using to test the product, learn. Some people can even, some people have even built full-fledged production apps on that. Um, 
And then you can use M2s and M5s, which, which are shared instances. They're not that powerful, but more powerful than the M0. And once you're ready to move into production, M10 is where we generally say users should start. So are there any customers that are currently making use of auto-scaling that we're allowed to mention on the podcast? Uh, a lot. I mean, there are thousands of users. So Any name um, drops? I can't think of any names uh, at the top of my head, uh, but Atlas has a lot of like you know, really marquee customers, and many of them are using it. Across it's a tricky question. Bunch of like yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's a tr tricky question because not not all of our customers allow us to use their their yeah. names, but uh, I can I can appreciate that. Uh, Rez, this has been a great conversation. I feel like I I have so much more information now about auto scale. Um, obviously, we want to send people to where they can get more information. So where do we where do we tell people to go to get more information on this? Um, if they check out cloud.mongodb.com. Um, they will have all the information they need, or they know they could sign up for Atlas instances there as well, and they'll be able to like test the products directly too. And if they have questions about the capabilities, can we send them to the community? Do you do you ever log into the community forums? I am beginning to do more and more. We, we have a great community forum where users can ask any questions, and we are product managers are there, our uh, technical services are there to answer those questions, uh, and we often have really good engagements with customers. And I'm happy to like answer any questions there. Yeah, I'm seeing the activity on on the community just exploding. There's so many uh, folks coming in with great questions, and actually, we're we're starting to see a lot of community users answering questions, which is which is always promising. So if you want to head over to community.mongodb.com, you can log in there. And I know I'm there on a daily basis looking for for ways I can help folks. Um, well, I wanna I wanna thank you, Rez, for the the conversation and for all of the information on auto scaling. Um, where can people find you? I should use Twitter, but I don't. Uh, uh, LinkedIn is the best way for me for for people to connect with me if they want to. All right, we'll put some some links in the in the show notes. Again, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.